0: Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast.
1: I'm Rebecca Plum, your big sister.
0: And I'm Sean Serha, your GBF.
1: We're not that hot or that young.
0: But we believe it's a state of mind that helps us build adaptable and profitable businesses.
1: We rely on the support of our design besties to get through each day.
0: So let's explore the emotional, practical, and humorous sides of being interior designers.
1: Welcome to the club. Hi, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? We have a friend here today.
0: Yeah, everybody say hi to Dan Mazzarini. Hi, guys. Oh, that's me.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's you. (laughs) I'm the friend. Hi. Hi, Dan. We're so excited to have you here today. Thank you for your time. Such a
2: pleasure. This will be fun, guys.
1: Yeah, so we've had you on our list, and then we were at High Point in October, and Sean was like, I think that's Dan. I see a tote with this <laughs> brand on it. So we literally chased you through the big hall yeah. and attacked you. It was kind of embarrassing. I thought funny. it
2: was wonderful. I Listen, I love having a stalker out there. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Leave it to me. i love I'm it. always and so actually, good at it. I was there with someone on my team and you actually caught up to her and tapped her on the shoulder and just go, him? Me? <laughs> like pointed me go, like, him? <laughs> That's and that's how one. we got introduced. So, I mean, a real meet cute, right guys? Yeah, it was yeah. so
0: cute, yeah. So we got a
1: little a little warm intro with you.
0: I'm so, I'm renowned for sliding into DMs and introducing myself to people that I don't,
1: I'm shameless. It's <laughs> yeah, a real it the thing about, Like, you can
2: for... really introduce yourself in a very casual
1: way. And we always tell people, and they do it, when we were at High Point, it happened to us too, which is amazing. If you see us and you recognize us, Please say hi. It feels like, why are we doing this if we don't get to actually meet people, you know? Yeah. Please say hi. Please help carry my bags, whatever it is, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about you and your background, like a quick little summary of what you want to share? No,
2: I'm Dan Mazarin. I founded a company called BHDM Design over 11 years ago now. Um, which is awesome and wild. Um, And we are kind of full-service interior design across commercial and residential. So what started in retail design evolved into hotels and restaurants and single-family and multifamily. And now... We're at this great sort of moment where all of our different kinds of business interact with and influence each other. So everybody wants their hotel to look like their favorite house and their home to feel like their favorite hotel. So we get to kind of blend that for all our clients, which is really fun. Goals.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Did, I feel like that overlap has started to become even more apparent recently of of homes feeling more like a, a really great hospitality envi- environment but then also hotels trying to embrace that less of a giant like mall setting and trying yeah. to feel more like high like high-end residential or or like really yep. an escape and an experience for people
2: for sure and i think it's you know i think there was such differentiation at one point between you live here and that feels like home and you're traveling for work And now it's kind of a new generation of traveler. So I feel like people want to feel at home even when they're in a home away from home. So yeah, it's been a really fun transition and kind of this big blur and glob of all the different kinds of work we do.
0: And you work pretty much all over, is that right? Yeah, I should have said that too. We're
2: a team of about 15 people, of 15 wow. people, 15 actual oh people. Can't like have half a person. And we're based in New York and the West Coast, and we have people that sit in four different states though. So this is both before and as a product of sort of post-pandemic changes in work. We now have people that sit in five different states. So, oh, wow. But we do work everywhere. So lots of domestic work, coast to coast, and then work in Hawaii and India and Europe. and. Not South America yet, but Australia. Isn't that wild? Whoa. Yeah, it's far. That's
1: really far. How often does the team get together? Do you get to? We do. So quarterly is the answer.
2: And this week, we're actually doing a post-holiday holiday holiday party because the holidays always seem to evaporate very quickly. So it's like the extension of that. So everybody's coming together this week, too. A couple times a year. Do they come to New York? We come to New York, and then sometimes we'll do a leadership offsite in like the Bay Area too. Oh, we
1: should crash Isn't that, that next time. Yeah, right. yeah. Totally we'll crash come. your Bay Area. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll just tap on your shoulder again. Oh, yeah, My yeah. Yeah. yeah, I
0: love it. I love it. <laughs> him, yeah, yeah, get him, get him. Uh, I think what's really fascinating about what you described too is be- even you know, before the show, you know, you-, you shared a little bit with us that you've been doing this for. Much longer than obviously just the 11 years that you've been, you know, with your own firm. Did you start studying design, sort of the classic route of go to school or say more about that? Yeah,
2: I'm nodding because I guess I am one of those kind of boring kind of classic line kind of people. I was very academic in high school and, you know, I have a twin sister. And she was very gung-ho going to school for political science and free law. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. But I don't think my parents saw it coming. That it was like, I want to go for design. So I ended up going to a liberal arts school, Miami University in Ohio, but for interior design. So I kind of got this background, certainly in design. It was a really great program, especially then, um, but sort of baked into a liberal arts education. So it kind of was like business and marketing, but a lot of design. And I think, you know, fast forward 25 years and uh, education and career always make more sense in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. It really set the foundation for not just being sort of the, I'll say like the leader of the design for our teams, but also the ability to interact with our clients on a business uh, perspective too. So not just dollars and cents, but like the bigger questions to answer and logistics and kind of all these really sexy parts of our business, right guys? Right. But, so that's the background. Went to design school, got a job in retail design in New York. It was the only job offer I got and it was awesome. I helped launch a brand called Michael Kors 22 years ago. So we had two stores oh, never at the heard time. Of them. Right. Oh, very <laughs> casual name job, but it was that and I launched them into 1500 locations in about 2 years. So it was wow. this real baptism by fire. Went from there to Ralph Lauren and I was there for 6 years as a director of store design so got all this great international experience. And then started the business, like not just that easily, but somebody, you knowing I worked at Ralph and wanted me to design a house. And then somebody saw those renderings and asked me to do a restaurant. And then someone saw the restaurant and asked me to do a hotel. And it's just kind of snowballed to a point that I was like, I think it's time to do this. And so started the business 11 years ago. So a little boring, a little bit interesting, maybe, right?
1: More interesting than boring. Yeah, doors (laughs) appeared and you went through them.
2: Uh, But that's the real thing is when those doors appear, you have to say yes. So it's like a real yes to the universe on some of those decisions for sure.
1: So you've always basically done residential and hospitality. Yeah, I've
2: always worked for brands at least, even when it was fashion stores that really had a strong brand DNA right? Mm -hmm. Places that people would go into and be like, oh, I get it. It's a Ralph Lauren store or a Calvin Klein store. And Mm -hmm. so it's always been this, I'll say like narrative approach to design. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's a residence or a commercial project, we always tell a story and I'm always shooting to sort of help even a residential client. I always ask, "What's, what's the story you want to tell the world with this house? Like you might live in Pataskala, Ohio, but you want to feel beachy, all right, how are we... Now my job is to kind of like blend those two, right? But yeah, it's it's always been this fun mix of residential and other sort of in my world.
0: I really love that question. What's the story you want to tell in this house? Yeah. I really like when the there's place. an answer. But yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but if anything, you're prompting them to go, well, yeah. what do... I don't
1: know. And then you're writing I'm... it. But that's kind of our
2: our job, right? Like it's... Mm-hmm. Yes, you hire designers because you like what they do. But I always think my job is to like kind of pull it out of people to say, what do you want? And then let me help craft a bigger, better version of that than what you would have been able to do on your own.
1: Yeah, because I Unless don't you have, have terrible
2: them. taste. And I'm like, oh, it's a good thing you've called. <laughs> thank God I'm Just, here. <laughs> thank God. Help is on the way, dear. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they don't have the words a lot of the time, and or they use the wrong words. What you think they think is modern isn't. Yeah. Um. So it's really yeah figuring out how to help them tell the story with words, and then yeah translate that yeah. into the visual. I, I'm glad
2: you said that. That's a big part of our like the beginning of our process, which I call the visual vocabulary. What is modern? Is it a white box? Is it polished chrome? Is it like, you know, uh, really sleek sofa it and what does sleek mean to you? So we just put a lot of visuals to those words with people. So when we go to design, we know what modern means to you. We know what clean means to you. We know it's not just a white box. Visual vocabulary, make your flashcards now,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: just show them like a like Rorschach test, but for design yep. clients. Yeah. yeah. Is it this or this? Is it this or this? Yeah. That's really smart. Do you find that you approach things differently when you're working with uh, residential clients than when you're working with hospitality clients? That's a good question. Yes, I do.
2: Not, from, not necessarily from what the process is, right? Because we always come up with the idea and then kind of build on it. And whether that is um, images and narrative and then room by room for a house or you know, bar, restaurant, lobby, guest room for a hotel. It mm-hmm. all comes from that, that sort of main narrative kernel. But I describe it this way, like, houses are just more personal. That's like the bottom line. It's somebody they don't get to do this all the time. We do, right? We get to do this for lots of people in lots of different ways. So they don't get to do it all the time. It's their money, and it's ultimately their dream. So there are some people that wanna hold on to stuff more tightly in residential for sure. And so I handled them differently. And handle is like the main word, right? They want and deserve an amount of modeling and walking through the process in a very specific way. And every client's mm. different there, right? Some people are fun and funny. Some people are really serious. Some people are in finance. Some people are in theater. Like it, you just need to read the room. And I think we handle those residential clients just in a, a different way. When it comes to our commercial work, I'll go back to retail, like fashion brands. There's a DNA, right? If it's white and camel and macassar ebony, that meant Michael Kors. Okay, great. That's what those look. You know what a Ralph Lauren looks like. So there's often a personal nature of those residential products.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Don't yeah, you guys? I mean, you guys do too, right?
0: I mean, there's a lot of handholding, and I'm not. Emotions. I'm not saying, yeah, it's like also learning how that, particularly like. Clients need, I feel like, a lot of time to digest things, especially when you're bringing something new or interesting or challenging or they had a vision for something, but yet you heard them describing something completely different. And you're like, okay, but what you're saying is something like this. And they're like, wait a minute, I'm having an identity crisis. I have to think about, yeah, you're technically right. You're showing me how I led you to something and how how we got you there. But they need a lot of that time to sort of interpret it and digest it. And they're truly like, they're going to, I'm sure even just the the corporate life of it all of someone who's designing a store isn't going to live in it. So, and it's also not, you know, it's not their money as much as it is, even though corporations are yeah. definitely watching where it goes. But sure. residential clients are just paying attention to, is that what I want to spend my money on? Is that worthy of 100%. my investment? Is that something I actually care about or not?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like we all do this every day, right? Yeah.
0: And they're not going to... To them, they're like, oh, this lamp is so important. And you're like, it's not, but okay. Yes, it I is. will go with it, you. Yeah, it is important. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's funny. I, I'm sure you guys have also had the experience of designing for your families, right? And that's, yeah. that's the, that is like the sh- most crystallized version of this where working with my sister and I love her daily, my twin sister I spoke about earlier, she, we're designing her house right now. And I have shown her the exterior of this house five different times, 10 different ways each time. Right. And I'm like, pick any of them. They're all going to be great. Just, but what about this? And I was like, Marianne, at a certain point, I'm just going to say, I don't care. And she's, said, I want you to care about everything. And I'm like, oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. And that's the amount of like customer service that residential both requires and deserves. So,
1: but at least she was able to communicate that to you. I mean, I helped my parents design a couple of rooms a few years ago. And it was a challenge. But you're both laughing. Yeah, that <laughs> was like, okay, why did I do this? But it became about my mom didn't want didn't want me to make all the decisions, and she didn't want me to choose for her, so everything yeah. had to be overruled, so she could be the one making the choices. Yeah, it, it was, it was a lot, and it was also like, oh, how quickly I reverted back to like old bad family patterns. Right. Yeah. But but it's, it did, it's a, okay, I do need to let her be heard and yeah. find a softer approach and not just mm-hmm. react.
2: And there are those clients too. I find yeah. there's kind of it's a little bifurcated. There are people that really really want you for your talent and when you bring them things they wouldn't have thought of wouldn't have thought of that, let's do it. And there are plenty of people that want you to validate their idea. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, speaking from a purely business perspective, You have to kind of quickly assess which client they are, because you got to get through the project one way or another, right? This will be great, and let me put the best spin I can on it for you. If you just want me to yes or no things for you, Mm -hmm. or if we're really going to do the thing together, you know, here's my very like best design. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And I personally have been trying to weed out the people that want just me to be there shopping friend or the yes or no person. And not weed out completely, but I have found a more consulting role that I can now give people that I can remove my emotions out of it because that was something where I was getting so frustrated. It wasn't really fair. They want the service they want. So finding a way for us to work around that, either don't take it or find a way that you're at peace with the process. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's what I was just imagining is the... But if I'm okay with it and I'm okay being in the room to validate what they're doing and I'm still excited about what, what it is they want me to validate, I might be okay with some of that. And yeah. again, like you said, it's, it's, it's their project, it's their money, it's their home or it's their business. And it doesn't have to be this like heart-wrenching situation every Should time. Be? Yeah, it shouldn't feel <laughs> that way every time.
2: I had an early professor in college. I did this whatever a presentation once and at the end his only comment was well there's always next project to me about the project i was like well that's not good but i actually <laughs> took that for it i was like there's always next project right so yeah the silver lining from that you know sometimes projects come and go and you're like i don't know if i should photograph this probably shouldn't photograph it then right and but sometimes we do that work and i 20 years in i've done plenty of work that I really jazzed and excited about and then there's been a bunch of work too that you know you make other people happy and you let them go on their way and it all goes into one big pot right it all becomes like the way you pay people the way you make the business function i did hear recently i was on a panel somewhere and the woman sitting beside me said this line though where she said the work you take today is your portfolio of tomorrow And so I want to be real clear here. Like, you have to steer your own destiny as far as, you know, what you, what the story you want to tell the world will be, right, with the work that you present. And yet, sometimes you got to pay the bills too. And so it's like walking this line between what you take and what you don't, and what you promote and what you sort of make people happy with. So,
1: being this far into your business, how often are you surprised by that? Or are you eyes open now from the beginning? Okay, this one's just a pay the bills project. They're yeah. fine, whatever, but we're not going to shoot it. Yeah. Um, Do you know that going in?
2: I'm going to tell you guys, I'm not the best at that. Which is kind of funny because I'm the business owner, and gratefully things have gone well for our business. But the the way that I've had the best success with this is now I have an awesome team mm-hmm. who helps me meet people, who help me meet the client, and they're like, they're going to be great. We totally want to work with them. Or when they leave the room, they're like, I'm just going to give you the eyes, and I'm like, I see what you're seeing, yeah. And it's it's a good thing, and it's on both sides. It's both like residential and commercial. If somebody mm-hmm. has the budget to do the right thing, we certainly can squeeze a lot of juice from a, a lemon. But it's like, how do how do we do this? And I want I just want to make everybody happy. Like I said this on that same panel where this woman had that great line. I, was like, I just want to make everybody happy. So I have a hard time saying no, or and I think surrounding yourself with people that can help you see the right answer has sort of put me on a stronger past, path to success with them.
1: That. Well, that's good that you recognize it because I too, I tend to fall in love with people or I hear, I see an aspect of opportunity right. that could be just the shiny object that I'm focusing on, but it's it's not really going to pan out that way. So somebody needs to be like, okay, that's yeah. not going to be how it really happens. So you need to
0: we're often manage your expectations. We're that for each other quite often, where it's yeah. good. We tell each other about it. We send a picture, we send a listing. You know, if it's a Redfin listing or something, we're like, okay, I'll just look at the bones of the house. Can I get them there for what they're describing their budget is and their taste level yeah. is? Can I actually get them across this finish line? And sometimes we're like, mm-hmm. you're just going to get paid for this one. It's okay. Yeah.
1: So we always yeah. say, what is our thing, Sean? If There's three things for a client: like the people are like you like the people, you it's a creative project and it pays well. So if we can get two out of three and know that we're getting that, then it can be satisfying. But if it's only one, unless it pays really really well, (laughs) unless that's the one, (laughs) like you're not going to be happy if the people are nice and have no money. But if they're awful and it's like awful, yeah. It's
0: going to detract yeah. from the work, you know, if you know that every step of the way is walking through quicksand just to get across the finish line. It's okay. That one, we got paid for it, but no one was really excited to work on it. Or I'm sure well, my mental me.
1: health took a beating and affected my family life and yeah, other things.
2: i see say I use this, are you getting paid? Can you promote the project? Mm -hmm. And are you, and or are you proud of the project, Mm -hmm. right? Are the three sort of things, I've got to check at least one of those boxes for me. And often all all of them are the best, right? But that's one of the things I kind of look at when we're looking at potential work to say, is this a great press piece? Is this a new kind of work we haven't done before? Mm -hmm. Is this a great way to support other parts of the business by taking on this more lucrative thing? So paid, promote, pride.
1: Love it.
2: Especially T-shirts that, are being made now. Do, yeah. yeah,
0: it's on the install day shirts for the whole right. for all of the company now. You talk a little bit... Okay, we'll cover nuts and bolts a little bit here of the getting paid piece of it. Over the years, I'm sure you've dabbled in different models and ways to get there. Where have you found the most success in your yeah. billing structure and the way you manage that?
2: Yeah, I really believe in transparency when it comes to billing clients, um, both on fees and on markup. And so I'm real clear, like, I don't like hourly. I'll just say that. I think it's hard to track. I think it's inconsistent. I think you can put in 100 hours in a week. And a client's, what do you mean? That shouldn't have taken you that long. So I don't like the potential conflict there. We work in, stay with me, we mm-hmm. do a flat fee for design. Let's call it concept at the beginning of a project, typically for mm-hmm. residential. And then we flip to a monthly plus markup. So, mm-hmm. and this goes you know, to the client. I'm like, we're going to spend eight weeks on concept, your project should take 10 months, it's going to cost you X for a year to work with us. And if it costs you 14 months, you know how much that's going to cost because it's just two more months. Mm -hmm. That kind of transparency is good for them. They can plan and it's good for us because we know what we're going to make on it. So we know how much time we have to put in. And on markup, my rule of thumb, I'll just tell you guys, we start at 35%. And you said, if I want to share real numbers, I'll tell you 35% is a great industry standard if you can get it. Mm -hmm. And when we are able to charge clients that, I tell them, we've done the math over 20 years of work, our clients end up paying across the board about 6% more total than what the retail value is. So I always say to them, I'm like, if it's worth 6% for us to handle, manage, order, design, spec, deliver, install, all these things to you, Mm That is the value of the markup, and mm. honestly, people get it. And I'm like, I'm not. I always say to them, too, a complete project is what I want. I uh, yeah. like yeah. Uh, one table that costs a hundred thousand dollars. That doesn't do shit for me, right? Because I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't go into press. It might go into payment, but it doesn't. Like, I'm not really proud of an yeah, incomplete no room, and I can't do anything with that, right? So I would say, give me your budget. And the budget I'll hand back to you will include tax, markup, delivery, everything, everything. There's no hidden here. So long-winded answer, but transparency is key for me. And we do a flat plus a monthly plus
0: markup. Now, there's so much about the predictability that you mentioned of just making it easier for clients to understand what they're getting into, especially with, like you're mentioning, if these are like whole home or very long-term projects, yeah, they need to have Their eyes open when they're going into something like that. But I think you can scale it in to the client who's doing two to three rooms. You can scale that same strategy in um, because they want to be, they're probably even more conscious of it. You know, if they're trying to do something smaller scale, they want to be even more aware of where their investment's going.
2: Yeah. And we will do those, you know, bathroom renovations or a couple of rooms in someone's house. And more and more are, you know, I would say post pandemic. In a world where money is more expensive now for people, we're seeing people who are like, I did some of this, but it's not done. Can you come look at it? Just walk through the whole house. I need three things there, four things here, that whole room, and I want to make an office here. It's this kind of mishmash of things in mm-hmm. a way. Do, do you guys get this too? Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, it's like right? the a la carte sort of, I want, I want the tapas style design. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it is like the supermarket sweeps of designing it's for good. sure, right? And I love it, but... I, we all We work with people the same way, and like, give me your budget, and i want to I want to deliver this to you in five months for this amount of money and if it goes if we're ready, but you're not, and it takes six months, you're going to pay us an extra month mm-hmm. i think it's just, i think it's fair, and I think that incentive. that yeah i mean, it's an incentive for people to make decisions, yeah. and it's an incentive for our team to get this project done, so that's how we work
1: and there, and you're giving them a Minimum amount of months kind of that you're thinking it's going to take yeah.
0: yep, we do
1: and how do you structure your team around that? like how many folks are working on each project, and what are their roles like?
2: great, right. so we've recently like in the past two years, we've brought on a full-time procurement person mm-hmm. um, who handles both our commercial and our residential, and what that has freed up is our designers to do the design work and so while our designers might build the budgets we're, we build this as like a two two to three person team, right? It's, and if you count me as a person, I guess I'm four. But but we have a director of residential, we'll have a junior person with her. And then we have our purchasing person too. So designers be designing, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of supporting that work and then purchasing does purchasing.
0: And it sounds like the purchasing person really gets to keep their focus on the thing that is their Specific role and yeah. they can they can get their arms around all those timelines. And because that's something that we even have talked with each other that you get sort of like pulled out of whatever creative phase you're in. If if you're for us working on another project, but you still have to keep following up on the procurement side, it starts yanking you back out mm-hmm. of that creative phase very fast.
2: Yeah. And you know, it's you guys know, every every designer listening to this knows, this is not a linear process. It's not like every order goes in on the same day and everything delivers the same day. It's like right. when the fabric gets there, this timeline starts, like we're missing this thing or this fell off the truck or whatever. So to have a person dedicated pretty much to the success and logistics of a project, mm-hmm. especially we, we handle between 20 and 40 projects at a time, that's a lot to track and it just frees up the creative people to do other things while this other person does creative problem
1: solving. And they're probably building a lot of relationships and trusts right? with their reps and vendors yeah. and stuff that yeah. they Kimmy's can like quickly, favorite. yeah, yeah. quickly get info and yeah, she, to like, send gets, a bottle of wine to.
0: Yeah. Like she gets it more than everybody else. And so when vendors or anybody are talking yeah. with her, like they're also in her same situation of dealing with logistics and all of that.
2: A hundred percent. And yeah. like, Kimmy on our team. Shout out to Kimmy is the best. She's such a doll, and clients love her too. And and like I believe in people having visibility to our clients too. So Kimmy and Sarah and Cam and Maddie and everybody interface with their clients directly, which I think is really important too.
1: So is Kimmy? She's the procurement lead. Yes. She is she telling clients like updates? Hey, yeah. this chair isn't going to make it. Or yeah.
2: Well, she, she's also a miracle worker. So she does that very infrequently. She'll okay, report back right. to me and she said, the chair's not going to make it. I was like, I don't know, Kimmy. She's like, you have to give me a day. I'll make some calls. And but, then the chair comes. So Perfect.
0: <laughs> she She's it's the miracle an worker.
2: She's the miracle worker, yes.
0: And then do you find that now that you're talking about bringing on procurement, because that was sh- sort of shorter term then, what are the, some of the changes you've noticed in your design team's like engagement or their response to having that sort of taken away from them?
2: Yeah. It's just created more bandwidth for them. You know, I think keeping, keeping them on the creative end of things, keeping them on like the creative problem solving, but not getting to call that also allows for their relationships with some of these vendors to be different, right? They're not to say good good cop, bad cop, but like, our designers then get to ask about all the new products and not have to call and be like, this is my eighth call for this two yards that I need to do this thing, uh-huh. right? So the, the relationships are more positive. It keeps them in that creative world. And candidly, as the business owner, they have more bandwidth to do more and more diverse kinds of things. So we can be more specific with the design, customizing things, and it allows them to get into the field more too, which I really like for them.
1: I mean, yeah, like and maybe that. not have feelings of limitation because they don't necessarily have to figure out how it's going to get done or where because they have support yeah. to get that well, figured out. Funny to say that
2: though, I'm, I'm a strong believer that people need to know how things get made, right? Don't just draw the picture. If you don't know what it takes for a human to make that sofa or build that wall or carry that tub up the stairs, I'm not mm-hmm. saying you need to go do it, but we're we're... I am such a believer in physical spaces for people to come together. It can be a house, it can be a hotel. And I'm like, we have to value the people that go in, that spend their hours to make these things too. Mm-hmm. So I bring my team to workrooms, I bring my team to furniture makers. I bring them to High Point. I mean, that's where we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to see the process and the hands that go into making all these things. Because when it comes to the success of a project, and I'll say this to any residential client at the beginning, I'm like, there are a hundred sets of hands that will go into each part of this house for you, mm-hmm. and so you know we will do our best to mitigate these things. Things will happen, but that's what you hire us to sort of. So anyway,
1: no, it's true. Yeah, yeah, I, don't know I how think the stuff is made. How the <laughs> sausage made, right? Someone just makes it.
0: it no, yeah, it's true appears. to know,
1: <laughs> and then it helps inform like future ideas for sure too. Hey, hotties, we're taking a break to talk to you about
0: Mo's home collection.
1: Look to Moe's for their full line of furniture and home decor that will give your projects that perfect blend of relaxed and modern vibes.
0: And the in-house design team at Moe's has created elevated and design-forward creations from across the globe.
1: As designers, we appreciate that they focus on quality, while bringing unique and new styles that infuse life to our projects.
0: The Moe's website also makes our lives easier as designers with high-quality product photography and up-to-date online inventory so you can source quickly.
1: Moe's is a no-brainer to help your business grow with no order minimums and their low freight costs.
0: And you can expect something new at each market where they introduce more than 300 new products. So be sure to visit their showrooms in Las Vegas and High Point.
1: Great news! Podcast listeners can save an extra 10% off their purchase using code HYDC10 at checkout.
0: So register for your account at Collection.com today.
1: Hey, Sean, I don't know about you, but Pinterest has been on my to-do list of I got to figure out how to use it again for literally years.
0: (laughs) It's definitely one of those things that if you've just been using it as a brain dump location, you're not using it, right?
1: Yeah, Pinterest is not just for inspo anymore, although that's still there. It can be super strategic and actually get you new clients.
0: Yes, so... We're sort of reframing the thought process around Pinterest with our very first Hottie Homeroom course, Pinterest for Interior Designers Masterclass.
1: It's two-parter, so you get both sessions for the same price. And if you can catch the live session, we recommend it. Otherwise, it's going to be recorded and available to watch on your own. But you also get two workbooks that really are going to show you the step-by-step of everything we talk about.
0: Yes. And we've partnered with our Pinterest expert, Leah Reiner, and she's really power packed the courses so that way you can optimize everything that you're doing to make Pinterest work for you to drive new traffic and help generate more leads for your business.
1: You're not just listening to us talk about blah, blah, blah. Here's why Pinterest is great. Yes, we have an actual expert who does this day (laughs) in and day out. And she's going to be showing us all the details and how tos.
0: Yep, you got it. How to find trends, how to put them in captions to get people to read them. And probably the best part for me was realizing that Pinterest pins stay active for months, sometimes years longer than what the Instagram algorithm does.
1: And you don't have to show up and show your face like you do on Instagram. (laughs) I know some of you don't want to do that. So it's a way to get yourself out there without getting yourself out there.
0: Exactly. So head to com and learn more about our Pinterest for Interior Designers Masterclass.
1: See you there, hotties. How, so I'm curious now that you have all these wonderful helpers and support folks, how your role looks now?
2: Yeah. So those 20 to 40 projects that I mentioned, I look at all of them. Mm-hmm. And so... It's with a lot of pride that we've kind of raised this team that I can see it and bless it and know that people will run with it. My primary role is setting the vision, reviewing the work internally, and then selling the work to the clients. You know, for, for years and years, my, my, one of my main roles, if not my main competency at Ralph Lauren, I bought all the decorative and then I would go and install it all. So I would be on a ladder hanging the art or building the table, whatever it was, right? A lot of hands-on stuff. And so I did that time, that sort of the doing of like the making the bed and the starching the sheets. And now our team does that. Um, so my role is making sure that the big idea is there, That we I, that the team is putting out the best work that we can do, and ultimately that the client signs on and is happy with the final product.
1: So would i you... really
2: just described like quality control, didn't
1: I? No, oh, you sh- described creative director. Creative direction
0: <laughs> is like, yeah, I heard, I heard creative direction, and my hope behind that is that that means that you get more time for yourself and your family and your own sanity. But that's more of a question than a yes. statement.
2: Yes, over a cocktail someday we'll talk all about that. So yeah. <laughs> no, it does happen. Yes, it does happen. But it's I'm 11 years into this business, and so it. I would say it's been in the past four that that cadence has really changed, and that's that's been a really good positive outcome for everybody, too.
1: So we like, as we kind of mentioned before we t- started um, recording, we like really kind of pragmatic advice. So what does it look like? Like how do you actually establish a vision for a project? Are you using Google slides like literally, or are you just like talking or showing reference photos? To yeah. Your team.
2: So we believe in the entire Google suite of products. Google sure. I feel like I'm at NPR. Google is a client and sponsor of ours. Yeah. <laughs> that would, uh, <laughs> would be great. But really, especially we signed on with them prior to the pandemic and it changed the way we work. This cloud-based way of having people in the same documents at the same time, which is not your question, but for any no, designer out there just getting started. Build it on this. You don't need InDesign. I feel like my Adobe friends are probably going to be mad at me, but this is a great free tool for people to use. We always start with the narrative and the visual vocabulary and the user experience. So I'm kind of blending residential and commercial here, but whatever the narrative is, we're just finishing a restaurant now that is a tapas restaurant in New York. And they were like, well, it's this and it's kind of filled old world, but we want it to feel New York. And so concept is Nueva York, not the whatever. But but then you can yeah. build a whole visual vocabulary from there. So we'll start with boards, we'll start with plans, it's kind of bigger picture but you're doing the whole romancing. And then it gets more and more specific. So yes to this, great. Now we'll move on to elevations and furniture, great. Now we'll render the whole space, great. And so while it's not just that simple, you know, I think to have like for a house, we've done multiple ground up homes which we love. For those clients, it always starts with a big vision, right? It's nautical feeling or it's creamy dreamy or it's like whatever the narrative is and then we start to parcel parts of those out to the different rooms and often i mean you'll still get those clients who are like but my kid wants a pink room i'm like okay but it's gonna feel like your kid plus you because that's Mm -hmm. what you've hired us to do so that's that's a way that we approach this is that pragmatic enough for you
1: yeah, no, it's really helpful cuz I I think one of my fears or the stories I tell myself about growing is that I'm going to miss having my hands in the creative part of it cuz that's why I'm here and yeah. That's what fuels me. Yeah. But I'm always trying to figure out like how can I still have that feeling of fulfillment and vision but not actually be yeah so much on. The- it's
2: it's such an interesting point. I will tell you, for some reason, I have always been drawn to, I'll say, leadership roles. Senior class president, basically in charge of decorations committee, that's what that meant. You know, like, whatever it was. And so I, I was always happy to rally the troops, right? I, I don't know why that just kind of came to me. And looking back on a career, I think as you ascend, you do less and less of that creative and okay. not you do you're less the doer and you're more the rallyer of people and processes to make sure that the vision comes to life mm-hmm. and you know that's really pragmatic information but it's i think it's the reality of that ascent which is mm-hmm. like you have to in order to deliver more or better or higher quality or faster or any of those things you need the people behind you to push that vision forward And so it's about setting that vision, but making sure those people have what they need to deliver that too. So I'm here to support you, Rebecca, like you can do it. And you don't, you don't do less creative. It's just a different kind of creative.
1: Yeah. I mean, in a way you're doing more, right? Like you're working on 40 projects instead of just two that you could, if you were doing it all. Yeah.
2: And maybe if I can silver lining this for you, like, I don't, I don't do the purchase order writing anymore. Like, I don't do the, you know, unpacking of the pillow thing. But everybody gratefully rallies behind the vision. And I get to be there to say, that's the vision. That's not the vision. We're not going to show that pillow. We are going to do this, take that out, get a different plant. That's what the role evolves to.
1: So, are you still on installs?
2: I still go to installs. You're not
1: on the ladder, but I'm I'm not
2: kidding you. I'm not on the ladder as much. But if I got to get on the ladder, at Point of pride. I don't ask anyone to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So get on that ladder, like stuff that pillow, or you know, I happen to be a particularly good art hanger, so hang the art.
0: If that's what it takes to get it done, I love. Like, yeah, it's the whole like everybody helps take out the trash type of. Yeah, we're, I'm sorry, we all have to do something sure. like this, and yeah. when you go home, you st- most of us still have to do that ourselves too. So why wouldn't I yeah. do it? in my office or with my team or with like project installs and it, it just has to get done one way or another. Yeah.
2: But it is like the magic of what we do, like not saying too much behind the scenes of Disney World, but that's what our clients deserve. Like I have one client who said to me, I want candy in the dishes and I want flowers in the vases when I come in. And I'm like, we want to do that. That's great. Yeah. And that's the magic, right? So yeah. somebody's carrying out that last bag of trash. Maybe it's me. It's been me for a long time. So I,
0: I think that's fun. I think it's it's what you just said also helps reconnect with this idea because we do get so caught up in the process and the, the just the like wheels turning of it all and I know that that's like personally a place where I was leading into the end of last year where I, I have to have those reminders built in of who I'm doing this for and what we're trying to create and like how they're going to live in their home and this is yeah. going to be for most of these families this changes everything for them yeah. it it's going to Make it easier for them to spend time with one another. They're going to look forward to spending time with one another. They're going to have a place of safety or refuge, like all of those things that we're trying to fulfill. Like it's really easy to lose the impact of what we're doing, even though we're not like curing cancer, but we are changing a lot about the way they live and making life better for them. And it's really easy to lose sight of that.
2: 100. I in like my most romantic writing that I get to do about questions for press stuff. I would say we are the people who build the backdrops for people's lives, right? We are mm-hmm. the people who, where your re- wedding reception takes place, or you bring your baby home, or you have that big birthday party, or a great holiday morning. And it's this beautiful thing that we get to do for people. And it is hard in the day today. It's sort of like, how can I stay excited about what kind of, you know, liner you want in your drawers, whatever it is. But it, it's a really fun responsibility. It's a fun job. And I think if you think about it the way you described, Sean, it's rewarding, particularly at the end, but a great thing to remind ourselves for the process. Mm -hmm. Put that on a t-shirt too, please. We're mental
1: health providers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's an ancillary, that's a
0: gift of purchase, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, especially the last couple of years, like all the families that we've been working with have really just been through it. And, and their lives have changed dramatically. And then, you know, everything around them has changed. And I feel like those shifts and changes continue to happen, whether it's their work is changing or the way they're interacting with their children is different. And all of that school is different. And I feel like yeah. we are uniquely observers, but also participants in that with them. And it's it's a really weird place to be sort of in between. I can yeah. help you, but I really can't on some of this stuff. But I'm still here yeah. watching it go down. and you know, holding my hands up sometimes. I don't know what to yeah. do, but I, I'm here to support you if I can. And it's, we can't always do something, you know, if it's related to design. And meanwhile, their kids are having to work, yeah. do school remotely. But you do but, the
2: best you can. And, and you know. designers are always observers, right? Mm-hmm. So we see the thing, we do the best we can. um, And then you better take that picture, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, it's definitely like, it's this, we we host... um we call them hottie hangouts they're a group yeah. members of our our patreon and they're like our most loyal hotties but we have talked about this idea of but how are people really getting those pictures and how are they doing this and and a common thing keeps coming up among most designers that we've been able to talk with on the show of oh yeah we're still running out getting last minute stuff to take a picture with we're still filling in the gaps yeah. with stuff that won't be installed on a project we're we're still trying to make it fit you know the 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 through line of our portfolio, even if the project, yeah. you know, sans styling or sans all those finishes doesn't really kind of look like ours. We're like trying to create it so it can look like it and art yeah. direct it until it does feel like it belongs in our portfolio. Because yeah, we do need that that like yeah. credibility to get the next job. And
2: yeah, for what it's worth, I totally to... support that. I mean, I've been on I gratefully I've been on shoots for national publications where they know it's going to be a cover, and they'll send in their own dishes, or they'll be like, we're going to swap out that art with this because it's going to be in February and not November, or whatever it is. Yeah. And so learning from that, I sort of look at, if you're documenting this project one time, right? And so going back to what is the story you want to tell the world, and sort of being the director of your own destiny on some of these things, changing out, making something styled to look the way you want it to look for a a picture is the exact right move. And it's not something that you do to offend the client. It's something that you do to make other clients happy in the future. So I totally support that.
0: No, we're not asking them to repaint the room. (laughs) Well, I mean... (laughs) I haven't (laughs) gone that
2: far, but I've thought it before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or you're like, I wish that light fixture wasn't there. And then you just tell the photographer, okay, we need to shoot around this one thing. Right. That is not just, it doesn't need to end up here. And I'd love it if we could photograph all of the spaces completely. But sometimes there's stuff that just doesn't make the final cut.
1: Crop it out when in doubt. What, so what do you think the most challenging part of the business is for you Hmm.
2: or your team? Um, Right now, right now for me, it's forecasting. Right. Residential in particular is such a challenging thing to know when your next residential project is going to come in, because, you know, in the commercial world, I can approach hotel brands, I can approach fashion brands, I I know who to talk to on the marketing teams to say, keep us in mind, and I can circle back. Mm -hmm. In residential, I'm not going to go door to door and be like, I love your house. I'd love to do the inside. Do you know what I mean? So you put yourself in those places where you'll meet the right people. But I say forecasting is always a challenging thing. And then when it rains, it pours, it seems, right? So it's how do you balance, for me, like the talent that you have with the team that you have, and then being able to support the clients that might walk in the door. So forecasting is always a challenging thing.
1: Yeah. for all of What do some... you
2: guys think the most challenging part of the business is?
1: <laughs> it's a tough question,
0: right? I mean, what parts don't I want to to do as much is probably that's the challenging part. So for me, a lot of it comes down to the like emotional weight load of what we do, and being that it's pretty much a one man show. Uh, yeah, that's there's a lot of obligation that comes back to me, and that's just me more personally of just. I don't like knowing that something was supposed to be mine or was my responsibility and then I couldn't do it or couldn't fulfill on something or didn't get to it fast enough and I think that goes back to just I like I I don't think I'm a people pleaser but I also don't want people to be unhappy. I'm okay totally. if they're just like, "Oh cool, yeah, he got to that email. Great." Or, "Oh, we made that decision <laughs> about, you know, it didn't feel awful. I didn't have to wait too long to make that decision with them, but I just think that that's part of I personally just have a really internal sense of responsibility and accountability and not wanting to let people down. And that extends into my personal life. And I find that that's something that has grown more and more as my business has grown that, oh, I don't know if I like how much weight comes down to just me in the long term uh, because I'm taking that home, or it does wake me up at night, and I don't want—I don't want that in the long term. I want to find a way to balance that and and you know mediate it. Yeah, that's
1: a lot. It's a lot, yeah. no matter the client, right? So. Right,
0: exactly. Uh, Rebecca's is probably going to be different. But...
1: <laughs> well, I mean that too. I do think though, it's projects that I can't see through to fruition. I mean, like the emotional side of it for sure has impacted me, and I've talked about it a lot on the show but yeah just not getting that completion not getting the candy in the dish that's amazing that the client knows that that's important cuz it really and truly is yeah they can walk into that room and use it and you can photograph it so it's like that balance of like me trying not to just feel like a greedy pig that wants her photos <laughs> but also like the room's not done like the clients aren't going to feel just this is an amazing experience because the walls still echo. Like there's the window treatments didn't get done because they didn't have the budget or whatever. So yeah, that happened a lot in the last couple of years where there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of like just that top layer that just didn't happen. And I'm trying to find ways to talk about that a lot more up front, have my expectations be really clear and why it's valuable to them. That's the biggest.
2: Yeah and it is. So well isn't this productive guys? Now we know what what to talk about with our clients. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, there's so much more like pre-planning that goes into it than I realized you know before starting cuz design school didn't prep me for any of that and then my internship doesn't really like none of that stuff really can convey it until you are the one holding it and making sure it gets done and realizing oh yeah, I really need to lean in on that. In the first conversations, like we I've, you have to have a lot of those no, but really, I need you to stop and hear me here. This is going to yep. be very important. It's going to be painful later if we don't. Like, we need to put our time and energy into it and making sure, like Rebecca said, like they can see the benefit and the why. Because I don't know if I, I think it's just natural for people to question or to want to know how do we get from one point to the other. They just don't understand how the first domino that falls in the very early stage of a project is going to, you know, hit the one at the very end. And mm. sometimes we don't even know how how we that's miss true. that. Like yeah. at the end, I still find myself going, Where did I miss something on this project? And how can I avoid it next time?
1: And we can't predict or know. Things happen in people's lives too. And that's sometimes part of it, but and, yeah, but just changing the floors and the wall color is not going to miraculously make your room feel complete, so it's really kind of like selling what a completed interior designed room entails. It's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff, yeah, yeah, even for a minimalist it's stuff. exactly,
0: Daniel, you, you talked about forecasting a little bit. do you where do you as far as like getting projects, where do you find that? people are finding you. Is it on Instagram? Is yeah. it through word of mouth? Is it all of the above?
2: Yeah, you kind of hit them all. Instagram, particularly six years ago, was a really good driver for business for us, especially in the residential space. So I would tell people, still promote your work there. Pinterest and press are other ways that people are finding us. Mm-hmm. And then B, I would say to like friends who are like, how am I going to meet a guy? I'm like, go to places that you have come and interest them. In. If you want to meet a client that Lives in, you want to do a country house? Go meet people in the country. Mm. So you had to put yourself in the places where those people are. But I would say the the social world is still a great place for people to find you and connect with you. DM really quickly. So that's a great way for people to connect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel we've seen. I think for both Rebecca and I, we've we see a lot of our inquiries come via Instagram, where that's just how people are connecting with work and finding work. But that it's like all your eggs in one basket sort of idea and this topic of networking and being where your potential clients are has come up in other episodes like we did an episode with um, Allie Faulkner where she mentioned the same thing of I, I need to be out at stuff and it's maybe not your typical like networking event but it's where people are at even if it happens to be like the local bakery in the neighborhood you yeah. really want to get another client in yeah it's just making yeah, sure you're there good
2: once you build that base, then people call you coast to coast, right? Mm-hmm. But if you want Northern California work, you got to go through that press or those hashtags or those places or that bakery in St. Helena, right? Mm-hmm. Go meet those people. So yeah, I really believe in that. And I, I guess I should say then I believe in manifesting it too. Put yourself in that place and then you got you to gotta promote that in that way too.
1: And starting with knowing where you want to be. Like you have to know you want to do the work in St Helena before you can go there, so I think like all of us can spend time really thinking through our ideal clients and areas and start, yeah manifesting It's a good time of year to be doing that. I'm gonna go sit in my little bakery with plans and swatches and really <laughs> like pretend designer like that so people could know exactly what I'm there to do.
0: Awesome. Yes, uh, it's a it's a it's Reese Witherspoon in oh shoot, what is the one? Oh Legally man, Bond? no no, where she's an interior designer and she lives in a Spanish owl oh. house and oh, it's the one I know it is. It's Nancy Meyer's daughter directed yes. that.
2: Did you know that? Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. Oh shoot, we'll get it
2: in the program notes, everyone. Yes. A, yeah, Nancy Myers, it we love notes.
0: you. I'll put a link to it. Oh, it's
1: Home Again. Home again. Home again. Nailed yes. It.
0: yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is very hard hitting news that everybody needed, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, Dan, can you tell us what the future holds for you and your company? I really wish I could, but <laughs> First of I will all. say
2: I will say we ran into each other at High Point. We're manifesting product this year, mm-hmm. and so we're doing some private label product, sort of we'll design and we'll make. We're looking mm-hmm. for some licensed product with people and we're still coming at you with projects coast to coast. So we've got three hotels in California, a bunch of work on the West coast and the East coast and a lot of mountain work right now. So mm-hmm. think ski resorts and ski homes. So I'll be next, our next call I'll be wearing some sort of great cowboy hat and like shirt coat or something.
1: I'm sure. So. <laughs> that sounds amazing.
0: <laughs> it's the full arc of Yellowstone core is coming around now. <laughs> I don't know if happening. you're watching, if you've watched it's it, happening. it but it's, yes. yeah, it's, People talking about like Montana and the Dakotas and Idaho and all of these other sure. places, it's just getting like more prominent. It's like the return to the American West. And Why it's not? yeah, people want to live their fantasies of like
1: low tax I love rates. It. As, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's yeah, it's definitely As finding the, low tax <laughs> rates for sure. Perfect. You you talked a little bit about product, but you also have branched into archive by Dan Mazzarini yes. and Yeah. Say a little... Can you tell us more about how that came about and why? Yeah.
2: So I've always wanted to be a merchant at heart, I think. Like from days of playing store with my sister. She's getting a lot of airtime on this podcast, guys. I have to tell her. I was a playing store. I love... I've always sort of designed product for all these different brands that I've worked on. From Ralph to Michael Kors to Calvin Klein. And then for each client's home. And I think working with so many brands and then having brand... People ask you as a designer, what's your, what's your style? Having designed so many different styles. Mm-hmm. And in a moment of pause, I was like, let's try that. Let's see what that is. Mm-hmm. So Archive was born to scratch an itch on a couple of things. Like being a merchant, we're promoting things um, through affiliate right now. But to build an audience who then wants to buy all of our Archive products. So it has become this catalyst to launching a product. But the site itself really is all articles that I've written. So while I don't have a podcast, I think you guys do a much better job at that. I have written articles about the why a white sofa is great, or like the history of the Saladino lamp. Or, and so it's been a really fun kind of blogazine style of things that we like and bringing sort of the best in class to people. And that's about look, yes, but durability and price and kind of all these other checkboxes that we look at. So
1: it's been really fun. It's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. It's a really, beautiful, work. It's a really it's beautiful. So much oh.
0: work, guys. <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, "I have only written. I don't even write that many blog posts anymore." But at one point, I was like, "Oh God, this is just very consuming." But when I talk to people, they say, "Oh, well, I was reading because of this thing that I happened to Google, or I, I never thought about why this would be a big deal." So I'm sure people are are resonating with it, but it's definitely like it's focusing on that e-commerce side of it's the person who is probably not going to hire you to do a full-service project necessarily, but they want to know why you do these things and why you pick what you do. Yeah, it really sounds like you're
2: in marketing for archives, so I appreciate
0: it. (laughs) Uh, That's that's exactly it. I mean, what we do is a luxury.
2: No matter the price point, no matter what it is, not everybody gets to work with a designer. But I... I said at some point on this, this podcast, I believe in the power of physical spaces for people, bringing good to their lives and bringing people together. So if you take the luxury out of it and still give people that accessibility, you know, our tagline is accessible luxury for everyday living, pick the parts that are important to you, pick the price point that's important to mm-hmm. you. I'm here to sort of like sprinkle my magic designer dust on it, I guess, and give you my point of view. But it really is, if not like, an equalizer, an opportunity for you to sort of use the things that I found to be impactful in, in our designs.
0: Yeah. Love and it. it's beautiful. There's so much there that like, I could just see in so many projects. So there's also a lot of versatility in it that I think is really cool that it's the client who probably f- finds your Instagram, follows stuff, isn't quite sure how it fits in their home, but they can search through and sort of go, oh, this kind of looks like me or this feels like me. And they don't have to feel like they have to. Oh, it's an all or nothing type of game. I, I either do the whole room or I don't get any of the good looking stuff and it lets people feel like they're they have an ownership in creating their own home and pulling things yeah. together that feel like yeah. them. So yeah.
1: well, Jan, well, thanks for that. I know thank you so much for your time. I know you've got another thing coming up. Can you just tell us really quickly where our audience can find you? Oh my
2: gosh. Yes. Honestly, social is the best Instagram at Dan Mazzarini at BHGM design at archive by Dan Mazzarini. I think you do have to spell it all out, but those are our best ways. Our work is on there. Our contacts are on there. I would say my DMs are my only zero inbox. So I can't wait to hear from you, but our websites match all those two guys.
0: We'll put them all in the show notes for everyone to find you. We'll put Put everything in. in there. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate guys, it's it. So
2: fun to be with Thank you. you. You're both so fun, and I'm excited to see what's next for you guys too. So I'll keep awesome. listening.
0: We'll stock you, we'll we'll you at the we'll stock you at the market. Yeah. yeah, I'll see you at spring <laughs> spring market. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, until next time,
1: stay hot, designers. Thanks for listening to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast.
0: For more on what we talked about today, check out the show notes.
1: Your support helps us grow, so share with your design besties.
0: And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.
1: Our conversations continue on Instagram.
0: And be sure to download our monthly resources on our website and our Patreon.